On this Saturday cast, how to transition from reading great books and hearing useful ideas to actually getting real results. Academy member Steve Schrader shows us how to make the move from theory to practice. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 369. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. And this is the monthly Saturday cast. About once a month, I air a special episode here on a Saturday that is a chat with one of our Academy members or listeners. This is a bonus episode. We're still going to have the next normal episode coming on Monday. And the Saturday cast is sponsored and brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. The Academy is a year-long cohort of participant leaders who work personally with me to develop substantially more effectiveness in talent development, effective decision-making, consistent innovation, self-organization, and efficient learning. And you can find out a lot more about the Academy just by going over to coachingforleaders.com slash Academy. And indeed, today's guest is a member of the Coaching for Leaders Academy. I've just been so pleased with uh, getting a chance to get to know Steve over the last uh, several months, and I've just been so impressed with the work he's done so far in uh, not only on himself, but also within his organization. And Steve Schrader is a member of the Coaching for Leaders Academy, and he's a clinical practice manager in the pharmacy industry here in the United States. Steve, I am so glad to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Dave. I'm very excited to be here. It's a real honor. Well, the honor is mine, and I have just been so fascinated by your story because I think it is a story and a journey that is so similar to so many of us in our community. And um, I I think maybe before we get into what you've done recently, um, maybe we should take a step back a year or two and talk about just where you were in your career. And one of the things you've mentioned to me is that you had, you'd gotten this place in your career where I think a lot of us get where you, you felt like you'd hit a bit of a plateau. Uh, Tell me about that time. What, uh, what was coming up for you? Well, when I took over the district, it was a different role than I'm in now. And it was not high performing, but it actually started doing really well once I started taking over and I reached that top limit. And once I reached that, it just seemed like it didn't seem to go anywhere else. And everyone else seemed to kind of be catching up. And I was just a little frustrated and stressed by where to go next. So I started listening to podcasts and helping to grow and read as many books as I can. But actually joining the academy was a huge help because it was at a perfect time for me. What was different about the academy, which you started earlier this year, than listening to the books and the podcast, which you've been doing for a while longer? Well, one of the things is it kind of forces you to put it into action. I was kind of doing that on my own, but it really has the timelines and it forces you to look at the things and put pieces in place to actually get the action going. And actually, at the time that I joined the academy, my old role kind of disappeared and it was going into the new role and I had to reapply. So I did that, joined the academy all at once and it just kind of fit all together perfectly because it kind of re-energized me just do that and the assessment that's part of the academy. 
Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a lot of change that's going on in your industry right now. And I know it's affecting a lot of your work and the people you work with. And I think we'll probably get into that here in a bit. But before we get into that, you mentioned the assessment. We, we start the academy with going through an assessment process. What was that experience like for you as far as what came out of that? It was really eye-opening. It pointed out the strengths that I knew they were strengths, but I didn't realize how important or special they were. But also let me see some of the areas that I could work on personally the stress that I was carrying around with me that I didn't even realize it was just part of my daily life. But through that assessment, it really focused on, you know, that self-awareness and self-regulation. So I really started focusing on that. One of the things I started doing is started, I don't know if I'd call it meditating more, but maybe more deep reflective thinking where I would just take what the thought of the thing I needed to work on and just focus on that. And it really is surprising how that dives into your subconscious and has doors open to me. I mean, I remember one of the things that I found is that as soon as I did that, I found a podcast from success that said, you know, success does not bring happiness. Happiness brings success. And from that, he said that every morning, wake up and go through the things that you're grateful for and also your intentions for your day. And so I started doing that. So it's really helped me focus and get through and it just relieved the stress right away. Was that the episode we did earlier this year with Neil Pazrika on Coaching for Leaders? No, it was a, it was a success podcast. Oh, different one. Okay, got it, different got it. One. Yeah, I'll have to track down that link and get into the notes here. It sounds so much like what Neil said of just starting that day with that orientation to gratitude. And you know, we did the episode recently on mindfulness. What made you think to begin with a meditation practice? Well, so the assessment has these different, so there's self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, and each one of these has like probably 15 bullet points. And Doug has you go through and just, he says, things will pop out at you. And that one popped out at me. So it was like the meditation part popped out, the physical exercise popped out. So I've started, you know, I've always exercised, but I'm getting more detailed and regular about it. I basically live in a complete balanced life, you know, eating healthy, having good exercise, having good mental habits and focusing on things. It's amazing how much of that really does affect our daily lives of getting sleep and exercise, and it, it affects our ability to lead well, too. You also mentioned that there were some things that came out of the assessment that helped you to become aware more of strengths. What came up for that on you? One of the biggest things is my ability to focus on an issue and find a problem and actually see ahead. I mean, I can think about through my career when I was focusing on issues where, you know, helping my zone district get better, I could see things that were becoming up. So I prepared for that and get things in place. So they were already ready to go. I always thought, why doesn't everybody else do that? But I guess it's not, it's a pretty unusual talent. So it really pointed out to me and really helped my self-confidence with that as well. It's really interesting to me how some of the things for us that are our real true strengths are sometimes the things that seem so obvious to us that it's it doesn't even occur to us that not everyone else is good at that, <laughs> right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I just assumed that everybody else could do that too, but obviously that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. Or, or we think our core strengths are the things we've had to work hardest to achieve, and yet, and those are strengths and things we've learned, but often it's the things that come so naturally to us that are the things that are the natural talents. And, and for you, it's that being able to vision and to see things and to see the roadblocks that are coming six, seven, eight months down the road that the rest of the folks on your team may not see. Right. Uh, That's exactly it. 
Yeah, fascinating. So uh, one of the things that came up for this early on in our interactions was thinking about using some tools and the word coaching's come up a lot for you. And one of the books that has been really helpful to you is the coaching habit. How did you how did you get started on the coaching habit and what have you done with it? Obviously that came from one of your podcasts with Michael Bungay Sandler and it just hit hit me immediately how important that is and it I changed my whole approach of how I deal with the teams. Instead of going in and directing what I do, I go in with asking questions about why they're doing things the way they are. I think you said this on a podcast too. You have that list of questions written down. I did that too. And I refresh myself before I go into a store just to be able to, you know, keep those questions on the top of my mind. You know, and I knew I started getting successful at it the first time I started directing and I stopped and asked a question instead and said, Oh, it's starting to get ingrained. And the other key with asking questions for me is it really forces you to listen to the other side of the, what the person is saying instead of trying to come up with an answer for what they're doing. You let them come up with the idea on their own. They get buy-in and you actually get to listen and they know that you're listening. So it also gives them more buy-in into the problem. They are more willing to solve the problem. What's been different for you and for the people you're leading in those conversations and maybe even what's happened after those conversations as you've started doing that more consistently? So one of the things that we, with the new structure that we went through, we can go back a little bit, but pharmacy is in a disruptive phase now. And so the biggest challenge that we have is that the way we're getting paid is changing. So it's instead of fee for service, it's going to be fee for value. So we really have to streamline our costs. So we've been going through some changes that way. What this does is just help me communicate the change and why it's so important and then get them to buy into the process and see what the processes are going to do to help us make the change that we need to do. And that's all through asking questions. What was the experience like for you having done it a different way for a long time in those first couple of interactions where you really try genuinely to do more coaching and being what Michael Bungay Stainer says, uh, being curious just a little bit longer. What was that like? It was a big challenge. I mean, you, it's a series. You have to get down to probably four or five questions before you can get to the point where they've come up with the idea. And then probably the first month I started doing it, I'd get down to one or two questions and I'd go back to the old mode. And then afterwards, when I reflect on what happened, I would, I would say, okay, you have to be really conscious on what you're doing or those old habits will pop right back up. I think it's probably why he calls yeah. it that yeah, because you have to develop that habit yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's really interesting about that is the word reflection. So it sounds like you were really intentional about taking some time afterwards to think about the conversation that happened. What caused you to, to do that and, and how did you do that? Actually, I think that's something I've always done because I've always, I've always been on that path of trying to get better at everything. And one of the things you have to do is go back and see what could I have done better in that interaction. And before it was like, what kind of problems could I solve? What could I do? And said, what kind of questions can I ask to bring that out? So now before I go into a store, I'm going to go, what are the questions? These are the areas where, where they need improvement. What kind of questions can you ask them to help direct that improvement? And so they can buy in on their own. Ah, So you're coming in now, not with the framework of here's the four or five or six solutions I might have to the problem. You're coming in with the mindset of, how do I ask the right questions so we uncover the problem together and they're actually starting to find the solutions to the problem? 
Absolutely. And it also helps me from going off the path of where I start telling them what to do, because I know I have these questions in mind. And let's get down to the bottom of what the issue is. Ah, fascinating. So it's amazing that like you already had this really helpful practice that I think a lot of aspire to, which is reflection afterwards and thinking about what was said. So it's not so much changing that practice, but it's so what you're thinking about in the reflection, it's, it's like what you're reflecting on. I'm not reflecting on, did I solve enough problems today? But I'm reflecting on, did I ask the right questions in order to elicit the conversations so people can solve their own problems? Exactly. Fascinating. Fascinating. So one of the other things you've shared with me is just thinking about accountability. And actually, I, I think you shared with me that Michael Bungay-Stainer was really inspiring to you on this of mistakes making with employees and and how you've changed your mindset on that. Uh, what did you hear from him that was helpful? So you asked him that question, what is one of your biggest failures? And he said, when we made a change in our organizations, there was a person that didn't fit. Instead of making a change, I just kind of let them hang on. And that was not good for them. And that was not good for us. And I thought about that in my terms of the people that are not performing well. I need to communicate better what the expectation is and then follow up if they're not meeting that expectation so they don't drag the team down and themselves down because it's really frustrating. If you're struggling, you're not making changes and you may not be capable of making the changes. You have to be able to get them back on the right path that's more healthy for them and the team. What have you done to try to focus more on that in the recent past? So I've identified my lower performing teams and I've had conversations about what the changes they need to make, you know, basically through that coaching habit things. But then once they get to that and I said, okay, this is the bottom line. This is where we are now is not acceptable. So you have to make these changes you've identified. If we don't, this is what's going to happen. Just so they're just, so they're aware of the, what's, what is down the road ahead. So they are more willing to make the change as well. You're in some ways hurting people by not holding them accountable. I mean, not intentionally hurting people, but that's the net effect of people are less effective in the workplace if you're not taking the time to do that accountability. Exactly. And, and making them aware of where they're at and where they need to get so they can make the change if they're willing to make the change. So speaking of change, you alluded to a bit ago that there's been a lot of changes that are happening, regulatory changes that have affected your industry. So change is really hard. And I know your organization, like a lot of organizations, are thinking through a process of how to affect change. What has that journey been like both you know, as the change started, but also now as far as how you're processing it, of thinking through that from a leadership standpoint? So a lot of these changes happened right at the time that I joined the academy. We were doing reducing staff because we're facing lower reimbursement rates. And this will be able to get rebates back if we provide value for service. But overall, the reimbursement rates in the industry are declining. And at the same time, Amazon joined the picture and started a pharmacy business. So there's more competitors. So we really have to streamline our staffing. And so we had to let people go. And at the time before I joined the academy, I disagreed with the way we were approaching it, that we were doing it too fast. But at the same time, when I joined the academy, you turned me onto the book, Leading Change. And I got a big picture of what you have to do to make that change occur. And one of the things you have to do is make drastic and abrupt changes. Otherwise, the change has a tendency to die. And so once I read that book, it changed my whole total mindset. So instead of finding it, I just went back to the stores and say, this is what we're doing. This is why we're having to do it. If we don't do it, we may not be in business. So this is a change we have to drive. 
And I think that's really helped the success of the district as we go through these changes as well, because now they see the big picture as well. We also came out with a new mission statement, just basically what we were going to do with healthcare by combining um, nutrition, health, and wellness, and connecting on an emotional and personal level. So I stress that over and over and over again. And that's one of the other things about changes is you just have to keep pounding it until the change occurs. Otherwise, it's just going to go back to where it was. As you've done that and had that really direct conversation with your team and your district, what has been the response? You know, it's not fun. <laughs> Nobody likes it, but I think they realize the changes needs to be done. And so they've really bought into it. Going back, you know, where I said I was stagnant. Well, last week we had our best, we had metric scores. We had our best metric score that we've ever had. So obviously they're doing what they need to do. And one of the best things about this whole process is that we share uplifting stories. So they tell me what they do with the people to connect on an emotional level. And I share with that with the entire district when that happens, because that's really a good indicator of what we need to do. And it's uplifting for the staff and it's uplifting for me because it's just so exciting. It's really interesting how much, I mean, really a tough situation for your industry, not something that any of you chose. And yet out of that has come some opportunities for you to think about how can you lead differently and coach differently and also, in, it sounds like even though this has been difficult changes, as almost every change is, that some really interesting things are happening for people that are working with you and also, you know, as far as the roles and, and seeing the results for the organization. But I, I am also curious, what's the experience like as far as what you hear on a daily basis with the pharmacists, with the technicians? What do they say to you? Honestly, I've always had a really good relationship with all of them, so I don't think that's changed that much. What I'm hearing is actually, when we started this whole no rule out, they added a technician position that's the ops position was what Tri was doing formerly. And she has been a big help. So she's very uplifting. So she's helped us make that change as well. And I'm kind of learning things from her on how to uplift people as well. So I think overall, despite all the changes and having to do more with less staff, I think they're buying in because we're trying to make people healthier. And so that's really the bottom line. So I really have to keep focusing on making people healthier, and that's why we have to go through these changes and get so everybody's on that same page. You mentioned this new role and how important she's been in this process. What's the biggest thing that you've learned from her in the last few months since she joined your team? So we give reports back to the stores when we're done. You know, We identify three areas they need to work on. And she is just so uplifting and positive about everything that she goes in. And so, so instead of focusing on the negative and the changes they have to do, she says, starts off with the positives of what she saw in the pharmacy and how well they're doing. So I'm trying to incorporate, incorporate that as well. Steve, it's really exciting to see how much you've done in, in such a short period of time. And uh, one of the things we do at the beginning of the Academy is um, have everyone really articulate a vision for where you want to go over the next two to three years. And so many things that you articulated have already transpired. And it's just, uh, it's really fun to see what you've created. As you look back now to where you were a couple of years ago of hitting that, that plateau in your career and you know starting to look for books and podcasts, what have you changed your mind on? What's different today about how you lead than was at that time? So probably the biggest thing is your attitude. There's a lot of things that happen in any industry that you have no control over. The only thing you really have control over is your attitude and how you adapt to that and how you help people come through the change. Just that leading the change book was so instrumental in changing my own attitude that 
my stress level went down immensely after that because I realized that what we were doing is what had to be done. Otherwise we may not be there. So that, that message got out to the stores and obviously they bought in. So that's probably the biggest thing is just controlling my own attitude and doing what I can and to help people adjust to the change. Steve, I just appreciate a ton the trust you've put in me to allow me to be uh, of some influence in your work and the trust you put in our academy cohort. And thank you for just being a great example out there of what we talk about on the show all the time. And to your point earlier, you know, there's you can read the books and you can listen to the message, but there's there's a whole next step beyond that of then really practically doing it. And you've been challenging yourself every day uh, over the last several months of really putting something into practice each day. And it's just been really fun to see you have some great results come out of it. Well, I appreciate it. I just wish I would have joined the Academy sooner, but it is the way it works out. So and I, I really do. It's changed. It has changed my whole approach to work and it's relieved the stress level that I was going through. So thank you. Well, the pleasure is my Steve. So let's see if we can mention a few of the episodes. Uh, For those of you who, hey, maybe you're in a similar place as Steve was a few years ago. Uh, I've been in that place too, where you hit that career plateau and, you know, things are going pretty well, but, you know, you're wondering, what can I do to really motivate myself to take that next step? And so here's a few places that you may start some of the episodes that Steve mentioned. One of them is episode 237. These coaching questions get results. That's from Michael Bungay-Stanier. He talked about the seven questions in the Coaching Habit book. Uh, if you're not already familiar with the Coaching Habit book, you've heard me talk about it before on the show. You know, it's just been so helpful to so many of us. It's probably the our favorite book within the academy community. We talk about those questions often. That's a great starting point for you if you're not familiar with it already. Also, Steve mentioned John Cotter and his work on leading change. We had John Cotter on the show back on episode 249, How to Succeed with Leadership and Management. So if you're looking for some ideas on how to handle and navigate change that's happening in your organization right now. That is a great starting point. And then also, I'd recommend The Truth and Lies of Performance Management, episode 361. Michael Bungay-Stanier was also my guest on that episode. And I'm mentioning that one because Steve alluded to that question I asked Michael at the very end, as successful as Michael's been in coaching and leadership, you know, he shared one of the challenges he's had of just holding people accountable at the end of that episode. And it was a big piece for you, Steve, as far as taking action on uh, changing something in your own work. And we'll also see if we can track down that episode of the Success Podcast and see if we can include that link as well too, because I think that'll be uh, helpful for folks. Steve, thank you so much for your time and uh, your willingness to share your story with us. Well, thank you, Dave. It was really exciting. Hey, I've got a question for you. Do you have a success story from what you learned from the Coaching for Leaders podcast that we should know about it. I'd love to hear it and maybe even share it with our listening community. Maybe, maybe you'll even be here on a future Saturday cast with me. If you have a success story, I'd love to know about it. Just go over to coachingforleaders.com slash success to share your story with me. This Saturday cast was brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. If you'd like to learn more about the Academy and get alerted about opportunities to apply for membership, just go to coachingforleaders.com dot com slash academy for lots more information. Thank you so much for listening and see you back on Monday for the next regular episode. Have a great day. Take care.